Madman Fulton, and you're listening to the Pro Wrestling Post Podcast. You are listening to the Pro Wrestling Post Podcast with your host, Mark Madison. This episode's guest is Sawyer Fulton. Visit ProWrestlingPost.com for interviews, blogs, and upcoming events in your area. You can also find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Anchor, or whatever podcast app you prefer. And now, here's Mark Madison. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is Mark Madison. Join this week with uh, the madman, Fulton, uh, formerly known as Sawyer Fulton from WWE's NXT. Thanks again, Fulton, for joining us here. We really do appreciate your time. Uh, not a problem. I, you know, I'm always happy to talk about myself. I'm my, my favorite subject. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so maybe if you can share a little bit with uh, with fans a little bit about your background. Now, coming out of um, ASPW, uh, maybe you could tell them a little bit about the big the Big Jake self character. How that initially uh, was a reflection of you. How it uh, came about, um, and it's kind of where it could have been headed as opposed to just kind of. Being dissolved. Um, so I started off with a company called ASWA in Mansfield, Ohio. Um, is a gym started by Charlie Fulton and is currently uh, under the tutelage of the Living Nightmare Jimmy Lee. Um, so at the time, I was still wrestling in college. It's actually very against NCAA rules to be doing both, but I kind of wasn't telling anybody. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I I still had that, that college wrestling mentality. I was still uh, on an all-American wrestling level, and that part of me, you know, I wanted to show that through my professional wrestling as well because that was the only part of me that I really knew at the time. Uh, so that's kind of where the, the whole Big Jake South thing kind of came from was taking what I was in college wrestling and then just blowing it out of the water. Um. um Sorry, um, so oftentimes they say uh, the best characters are, are yourself turned up to 11. Would you say um, that was kind of a reflection of you at the time? or? Yeah, I think it's still a reflection of me. I think there's a lot of that character that I still maintain. Uh, for me at the time, a big thing was that I really wasn't that charismatic. And I, you know, I was still learning how to do that showmanship part of everything. Mm-hmm. I'd spent so long and so many years in amateur wrestling, just, you know, you, you drill into your mind, like, you know, show no emotion, show no fear, uh, show no pain, and you just beat into your mind going stone-faced and, and working and wrestling, and it's a whole different animal when you get into the ring. So I think that Big Jake South character was my attempt at taking what I knew and kind of pushing it in the direction I needed to go. Fantastic. Um, now, fans will be aware that, you know, most of your early development stemmed from being part of uh, NXT. Uh, how did initially that kind of come about? You talked about your amateur background and how you moved that in, into a couple of different promotions, but um, it really only records a very short window where you were working with other promotions and your time with NXT was um, pretty prominent. Um, how did that all initially come about? Um, so I met Jerry Briscoe at uh, my my senior year at the national tournament, mm-hmm. um, which actually he was there completely by fluke. 
Hmm. Um, and he, he actually drove down to the tournament. Um, the way uh, our national championship works, our national tournament, if you make it to the second day, you're automatically going to get into a All-American spot, which is top eight in the country. Um, and that year, I, I, I'd already placed before. I placed fourth the year before. Um, and I wanted to win. That was my goal. I wanted to win the national championship. And when I fell short, I kind of took that out on each and every single person in my way the next day. Uh, you know, I was going to be an All-American no matter what, so I just started slamming people and throwing people around and trying to make guys tap out and trying to get um, trying to get myself disqualified, which was not the proper way to handle it. And, you know, not looking back at it, very stupid. Um, but all he saw, all Jerry saw, was just a gigantic bleach blonde kid throwing guys around. So... When I came back and I was in my match for third and fourth, I actually looked up and he was talking to my mom. And my mom has zero idea who Jerry Briscoe is, but she saw that he was with WWE and instantly, you know, started talking me up and started promoting me for him. And uh, you know, that was that. Like he came to me after, you know, I won my last match and I started doing my uh, Hulk Hogan pose downs for him on the mat <laughs> just to let him know that I knew he was watching and. You know, he offered, he came up to me and he's like, you know, I, I'm completely out of breath. Like, I'm, I'm dead tired. He comes up to me and he's like, do you know who I am? I'm like, yes, sir. He's like, do you know what I want? And I'm like, God, I hope so. Um, yeah, and that was that. And we met up uh, later that night and he gave me his card and got me my tryout and kind of spiraled the next five years of my life. Um, have you still maintained a bit of a, a relationship, you know, through your time um, in NXT with Gerald, uh, Mr. Briscoe? Oh, oh yes, oh my God, yes. Uh, Jerry is, is, even though I'm not with NXT anymore, you know, he still talks to me and he still calls me, and you know, he still treats me. You know, I'm one of his boys, and it's I'm not the only one. Like almost everybody that he's brought in, he maintains contact with still. And I think that's one of the, like, the great qualities about Jerry is that, you know, he, you're not just like a prospect to him. You're not just a dollar sign for him to sign. He cares about you and he cares about your career. Mm-hmm. And even his son, Wes, like, you know, I, I'm not on an extremely personal level with Wes, but I know Wes is a good friend and I know he would, you know, help me out in any situation. Um, actually, I've only ever had uh, one... A traffic infraction ticket in my life, and I got out of it because of Wes Briscoe. So just one of those things, you know. Gary's done a lot for me, and I'm very happy for, you know, everything he's done and still being able to talk to me. Yeah. Um, you mentioned working uh, and and being part of um, amateur wrestling, and and um, Gerald actually seeing you there. Do you think that there's more of an um, a calling more for the amateurs to transition into pros? like yourself or is it more like a fluke like Um, there has to be something special about you so i started amateur wrestling with the intention of turning pro Uh, i had my first practice in elementary school in the sixth grade and it was because i thought there was going to be a ring there Hmm. i didn't know there wasn't a difference and then when there wasn't a ring there i thought that you just had to get better at it and the ring just shows up later um, I didn't know it was going to be 16 years later. 
with that amateur background that are just doing amazing, not only in WWE with guys like Jason Jordan and Chad Gable, but, you know, everywhere else. Uh, you know, guys like um, Matt Riddle and Jeff Cobb, and, like, you can easily transition that over. Um, but I think, especially for pro wrestling, I think there has to be a degree of really, really wanting it and really wanting to move over and and do it. And it's not always the easiest thing because they are very different, but I think it, it's, it's a good... Um, I think it's a good transition tool. Mm. Um, what have you found to be some of the challenges in that transition for yourself? Uh, so for me, you know, as I said, like you spend so many years drilling into your head certain ways to do things. You know, stay low, keep light on your feet. Um, for me, I, I always train myself to watch someone's hips because you can't move without your hips moving. Um, and you, you drill all these things into your head day after day after day after day, and you practice everything 10,000 times a piece. And then when you get into professional wrestling, you need to not do it. Yeah. You need to be able to stand up straight. You need to be able to keep your head up. Um, you know, uh, for like one of the hardest things for me was being able to get picked up and not freak out. Um, I'm very bad, you know, for years I was very bad at leaving my feet because the second someone goes to lift you, you immediately sink your hips and it's, and it's learning to, to work and flow in a different direction. Um, I think the, the discipline that wrestling has taught me and, and kind of that, that mentality and that mindset really helped further my career and push me you know farther. But the, the hardest, I think, part of the transition is just forgetting everything that you drilled into your head day after day. So fans would also be aware that some of the time that you spent early on in your career um, has been alongside you know, working as a team, and you were with um, Angela Dawkins. Um, what would you maybe say uh, on screen, off screen, that, that relationship was like and uh, the chemistry that worked between you two? Because, you know, from an outsider's perspective, you thought it was going to be something that could have been uh, used a little bit more. But, um, you know, what was the experience like? What were the plans maybe you two had um, between yourselves and how you could have moved it forward? Um, any thoughts on that? a lot of learning experiences 
and we really thought we were going places and it's it's one of those things that it just never really materialized and you know he was doing good and I, I think I was sort of falling behind a little bit and he started off and um, into kind of like a new direction and they kind of made it known that it was going to be Gable and Jordan as the tag team yeah. and so we really stopped focusing on it but then we kept getting matches on TV you know after we kind of turned single on our own and started working singles they still kept making uh, putting us in tag team matches on TV um, we had one really good match with uh, Blake and Murphy where I just came in house of fire and destroyed at the end. And I think that was the first time that they really went, you know, where they saw us separately and went, these two are both, you know, monsters in their own right. If we're not going to do anything with them together, we need to get them apart, you know, ASAP and, and figure out what they need, you know, what they need to be separately. And I honestly, I think it was that first match that last match that we had with Blake and Murphy that split him off into his Curse of Greatness character and then into the Street Buffets, obviously. Yeah. And for me, I think that was the first time that they saw just like that absurd aggression I can bring out. And not, not that you know, I know a lot of the coaches knew about it, but like the first time I, I think that Hunter and some of the writers saw that I can have that aggression. I think that's what sparked me going in the direction of sanity at that point. Um, and and as you mentioned, sanity, um, you know, fans had known that in the spring of uh, of 2016, um, yourself and Alexander Wolf, they actually, they initially, I guess, had you guys tagging off camera, working together. Yeah, we uh, we actually started tagging um, to fill in for authors of pain who were sick. Oh, okay. And we we had, we had not planned on tagging that night. Um, it was just one of those things as like Sawyer's here, uh, Wolf is here, but you know let's let's get them in a match. And we ended up facing the Hype Bros in Bartow, Florida. And I think we had we had some like kind of unspoken chemistry between the two of us. And, like you know we weren't doing a lot. Obviously we we'd never tagged together before, but I think it kind of turned some heads that it could be something. Um, and, you know, I think that was kind of what re-sparked the interest in Sanity and, and bringing those, you know, uh, the Smoke and Aces characters to life was us coming together and tagging together. We did, we did a lot. We had a lot of stuff before we even knew that Eric Young was interested. Hmm. Um, you know, we, we got to wrestle, we, we got to go overseas and wrestle, uh, England and Ireland on the on the tour over there, and we got to do a lot of out of state loops with um, Gable and Jordan, and we were really packing together and ironing out who we are as a team. Um, now, you had the opportunity also to work alongside um, Eric Young. Kind of was you know he kind of gave was being given that leadership role, but joined in afterwards as you just kind of shared um how was the experience working with uh with a veteran much like himself i mean he trained ty dillinger at a younger age uh here in ontario um what was that experience like and, and what were you able to pick the brain of, of eric young being part of that faction um you know I, I think eric really helped take us to new levels 
Uh, I think there's a certain amount that we wanted to do as a team uh, between Wolf and I, but we didn't really feel like our ideas were going to be taken seriously and listened to. Hmm. And Eric was very good at, you know, taking what we wanted and what we thought about and then bringing them to the writers and to Hunter as his own ideas. And he really fought for the things that we wanted and things that we believed in. Um, A lot of sanity, like, he had, a, he had a big part, and he really, you know, steered us in a great direction. But he didn't have to go as far out of his way to make things as comfortable for Wolf and I as he did. Um, and in, in instrumental is almost downplaying how much he had to do with my career, especially in the last, you know, the last two years of it. There, um, and even after I got hurt. You know, he he was very good on calling me and checking up and making sure I was rehabbing. And when we kind of figured out that I wasn't, you know, that it really wasn't uh, any plans for me, he was, you know, he was helping me out and trying to figure out what direction we need to go and how to help help me out there, even though I wasn't part of Sanity anymore. Um, and it's kind of it kind of astounds me that someone with the with the career that he's had and the stuff that he's done how far out of his way he will go to to help, you know, a Wolf and I and and Nikki and, and Killian and you know, I think it really shows that his character in a, you know, how good he really is. Um I had the pleasure of talking to him just I guess uh, just after he uh, made a kind of a surprise appearance against Samoa Joe. And jokingly, he said, you know, I'm not good at a lot of things in life, but wrestling, I'm really good at. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, he puts he puts his time and his heart and his energy, and it sounds like uh, it's definitely paid off, not just for himself, but for yourself as well. So Yeah, and it's, it's cool to see someone at that point in their career, you know, reach down and lend a helping hand to, to pull some other guys up to their level. Um and obviously things didn't quite work out the way that, you know, I wanted, but I feel like he, he pulled me up quite a few levels before all was said and done. How's everybody doing? Good, good, good. Hey, this is Mikey Whipwreck, and you're listening to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. Um, now, fans um, are aware you were injured at one point, but it, unfortunately one of the more unexplained um, disappearances, really. I mean, the, the direction, the change direction. Unfortunately, you weren't part of Sanity anymore. Um, were there, was the injury the primary reason that they were going to go in a different direction, or is it just, um, did you have any thoughts as to how they could have transitioned it? Because it kind of felt like Killian appeared and they kind of, you know, stomped on your jack. It just felt very vague and, and could have been flushed out a little bit more, at least moving you into another faction or something like that. When you came back, um, I, you know, me getting injured was very untimely, especially with uh, how our tapings lined up. Yeah, and because I got hurt the night of Takeover Toronto, and then I did the next taping that was before a SmackDown in Ottawa, um, and then I didn't find out how bad my injury was until a week later. I actually thought I was getting better. I was ready to come back. Uh, my bruising and swelling were starting to go down quite a bit, hmm. and I was uh, getting a little bit more movement. Um, and 
I'm sorry, I was, I was getting another call. Um, I think I might have scheduled two podcasts at the same time. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, my, my bruising and my swelling was going down, and I, I actually thought I was getting better. And it wasn't until the doctor told me how bad it was that like that placebo effect really wore off. Oh. And that's when the pain started coming back. And so I had my surgery on December 2nd. Uh, I found out, this. Uh, I think December 1st. I had my, no, I'm sorry. I found out November 28th because I had my surgery on uh, November 29th, which is my mother's birthday. Um, and tapings were December 5th. Yeah. So it was very, very rushed. No, no, maybe December second. It's very, it's very quick. Like, yeah, it's almost directly afterwards. Um, to the point where, like, I was left completely out of the loop. I did not know what was happening or what was going on until uh, Killian called me that night and let me know, like, hey, we did this, this, and this for the for the uh, TV tapings tonight, like. I want you to know that, you know, no matter what comes out of this, like, like I don't want you to take this as a personal attack to you. Like, this was an opportunity given to me, and, he's, and I hope that if the roles were reversed that you would do the same thing. Um, and, you know, and obviously I would. Kelly and I are, you know, we were friends before and we were friends after. Um, and it was, very, it was very cool of him to come to me, you know, kind of man-to-man and let me know, like, hey, this is going on, because at the time, it, I hadn't even, you know, the coaches had called me, you know, the writers had called me, um, and I was just sitting in a hotel room, you know, yeah. wasting away. And, and shortly after, I got a call from Wolf, I think Killian just beat him to the punch, and then Eric shortly after that, and, and Nikki texted me a few times, um, and finally the next day, I got a call from Terry Taylor. But it was... You know, that, that was kind of a hard transition for me, or a hard thing for me to accept. Um, yeah, I think it was a little bit rushed, and I think there was a lot of ways out of it. Um, I pitched a lot of things, not only coming back to sanity, but feuding with sanity, starting my own group. Um, you know, just a whole bunch of different stuff. Uh, I had a running joke that uh, I was going to start sanity red and black, <laughs> and we were just going to make it. We were just going to, you know, go straight WCW with it. But, um, but yeah, it, you know, sometimes things just don't work out uh, the way that you think they should. And there's a reason why I am not a writer. So, you know, it's it's one of those things that's just kind of beyond my control. Uh, you know, I'm not ashamed of anything, and I know I worked as hard as possible to get back. And sometimes the cards just don't fall in the right places. Uh, you know, there's nothing to do but, you know, move on to, to, to bigger and better things. And it's opened up so many doors and so many opportunities for me now to to figure out who I am and to establish myself as a wrestler and to do some things that I didn't think were possible to do in WWE. Um, and, you know, I, and I'm excited. I really am for, for everything. Well, um, and... 
because of you know being proud of where you are and where you're going um not everybody feels the same way about this but uh sometimes accolades or championships they represent something to some talent some people it doesn't um but um this past year you were included in a PWI's top 500 um not everybody has that opportunity to be recognized by others um what did you feel about maybe just being recognized by by writers and talent um that you're considered among the best. I think it's I think it's really cool. That was obviously my first time being included in that, and I know that uh, I think I was like somewhere in the mid four hundreds. But even then, like it's cool to to know that I'm recognized on some level, and, mm-hmm. and it it brings that feeling of that everything you do isn't isn't for naught. Mm-hmm. It really shows, like, oh, yeah, like, people actually pay attention to me. Like, you know, sometimes you get, you know, it's, it's very easy, uh, especially in a position like right now where I am or where I was when it happened, where I, where I was injured and I was trying so hard and I wasn't making any headway. It's easy to get down on yourself and get depressed. But then you see something like that and you go, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I can't forget, like, I've actually, you know, did some stuff. I've actually accomplished things. And it's, a, it's an easy way to take a step back and and look at your life and realize that it's really not as bad as you're making it out to be. So, I, you know, I was very, very happy to be included in that and to be kind of recognized at that level. And, you know, I hope that I can just keep pushing that number up. Um, now, you're... You are free to kind of, I guess there's a clause. I'm not sure if the clause works for you, but uh, a no compete for anyone else. Does that necessarily take effect for you or you're just, you're kind of free to go wherever? Um, my, my no compete is up. Okay. So I'm, I'm kind of free to, to roam around now. I've, I've been in talks with a few different companies. I have a few small scale shows here and there. Um, you know, I was very happy to get back with ASWA, um, and I will be in their heavyweight championship match on February 10th, uh, as well as like companies around here, AWE and Coco. Um, I, you know, I, I've signed up a few places out in California, um, and I'm, I'll be up in uh, for Pro Wrestling Magic in New Jersey on January 20th. Um, but you know, being being out here, and especially with my no compete up. There's a, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of places I want to go, and I really want to I want to establish myself as a wrestler and as, as a top competitor and be able to go out and, and and prove to the world that this is my calling, this is what I want to do, and this is how I'm going to do it. Um, and I would love, 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 and my, my goal, my dream, you know, I want to be able to wrestle in Japan and hold my own there. I want to be able to wrestle in Mexico and hold my own there. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to travel the world with this and and make this my my dream and my living. Um, and I think I think uh, not being with WWE anymore is a blessing in disguise. And I think it's going to be a you know a great ride for the next few years on you know just traveling and then getting out there and, and living the life. Um. A lot of talent that have left have been pretty vocal about um, the freedom that comes with being on the independence and being able to show things that otherwise you, you weren't 
not you necessarily, but others aren't able to do because their character kind of restriction restricts them. Um, hearing things about uh, Ryback doing a, a somersault plancha over the top rope or something like that, and then uh, Sammy Callahan having like um, a spot connected to a spot connect. Those are things that you may not have seen with like a Solomon Crow. Um, what are things that if fans might be able to look for? You know, six foot eight, over three hundred pounds, listed for Fulton uh, when he's out there. Um, I really want to use this opportunity to show uh, more of my athleticism. Um, not that I was necessarily, uh, you know, pushed into this niche, but I feel like I fell into a very big man sort of rhythm with WWE. Um, and while I, you know, while I am big and while, while you know, I'm very happy I am. I know I can move, I know I can wrestle, I know I can flow. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's where I really want to try to establish is being able to, you know, I wasn't really allowed to, well, not, not allowed, that's not the word I want to use. I didn't really feel uh, with my character comfortable with, with moving and wrestling in the way that I know that I can. Um, and I know that I can, I can work out of situations and I can, I know I have a good amount of throws and, and moves that I can work in. And, you know, that, that's why I'm looking forward to being able to show is just my overall, you know, wrestling ability. And not just on, on a professional level, but, you know, even with my amateur stuff, I would love to, you know, start throwing in more of that. Some of the stuff that people would get to see on live events with me and Dawkins, um, I think is you know, going to be able to make its way back on a much larger scale. Uh, you talked about wanting to compete in Japan and Mexico. Any other personal professional aspirations now that 2018 is upon us? No, you know, that's really my goals for this year, uh, especially for 2018. I want to be able to reestablish... I want to be able to establish my name now. I want to be able to establish that it's just Fulton and not, you know, be that guy from Sanity that got kicked out or, you know, be that lowest rated character in 2K18. You know, I want I want to be able to establish who I am and I want to be viewed as as a top contender and as a guy that can that is worth going out and going to see. Um, and I think, you know, more and more as this year goes out, you know, I plan on making sure my name, you know, gets out as far as physically possible. Um, and, you know, I'd love to go to different countries. I, I would love, 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 as I said, Japan, Mexico. I had so much fun wrestling in England and Ireland. I would I die being able to do that again. That was some of the most fun matches in my career. Um, and, you know, I just want to go out and travel and experience all these, these cultures in, in the world and be able to do that by doing what I love, and that's professional wrestling. Outstanding. Uh, before I let you go, Fulton, uh, we here on the Pro Wrestling Post like to do uh, a little bit of a game. Um, if you're interested, uh, we can go ahead with it. If you're not, uh, we can just call it quits, and um, it's just it's completely up to you. Uh, sure. 
I'm I'll give anything I got once. <laughs> okay, so uh, the game's called Wrestling Tinder. It kind of works just like regular Tinder. Um, if you're interested, you swipe right. If you're not interested, you swipe left. With Wrestling Tinder, like I'll throw a topic. If you're interested, you'll say you'll swipe right, and we can get into it. If you're not interested, just say you'll swipe left, and I'll throw out another topic. So we're only really going to try and tackle one. Sure. Okay. Um, intergender wrestling. Mm, I, I swipe right on that. You swipe right. Okay. So uh, right now it tends to be a, a bit of a hot topic. We we see a lot of it happening in Mexico. We see it happening in parts of the southern states. We see it happening really in different promotions, independent promotions. Um, Again, there is that fear that accidents can happen, but sometimes women... I spoke to uh, Ivelisse just yesterday, and, and she feels even more... She feels safer wrestling uh, a guy that may be 200 pounds as opposed to facing a woman who may not be as protected with their punches. Um, what are your thoughts? Now, you'd be on the opposite side of that, having to protect someone a lot smaller than you. Um, what are your thoughts or feelings on it actually even taking place? See, that's... that's- have the problem of it is if I were if if it was me and I were to wrestle a girl that's you know five five and like 115 pounds and however small some of the girls are like that even that to me is a little outrageous like I, I don't know I, I just feel like the size difference is too much but I, I do know plenty of, of women that can hold their own with guys um, in, in the ring and I, I think there's there's plenty of opportunity for it. Uh, you know, not only for me personally, uh, you know, I've been uh, practice sessions, of course, but in the ring with plenty of the girls on the main roster. And I know Charlotte Flair will go toe-to-toe with you regardless of who you are. She does not care. She does not. And if you go easy on her, she will take advantage of you, plain and simple. She is she's bad. She is bad, man. <laughs> She'll mess you up. Um, but I know, like, you know, I'm I'm good friends with uh, Jessica Havoc, and I, I would love to wrestle her in the ring one day, and I've told her that. Um, you know, I think we can have good matches. I think there's plenty of women that, you know, obviously can hold their own with guys and have good matches. And I don't think that, especially in today's day and age, that should really be a something to hold you back. Awesome. Um, thank you again, Fulton, and we're wishing you all the best in 2018. Uh, we know that you're going to knock him dead. Um, and on behalf of Fulton, this is Mark Madison for the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast with Mark Madison. Thanks to Madman Fulton for his time. Once again, please visit ProWrestlingPost.com for interviews, blogs, and upcoming events in your area. And remember to find a podcast on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Anchor, or whatever podcast app you prefer.